You're listening to the Zenial Dadcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Zenial Dadcast. This is Mo. And this is Devin. It's been a while since we connected. How you been? So it feels like it's been a while, right? On the last episode, I sat down with uh, with Grace. I don't know if you if you uh, listened to that to that little episode. I, ha- I haven't gotten a chance to listen. It's been grinding on work. We we just got we just got uh, we just touched base on a lot of parenting stuff. And since we do these uh, these recordings every two weeks, uh, it's been a month since I've seen you since I've spoken to you. So it feels like it's been a while. <laughs> You know what? It's so funny. My dad told us told me the same thing. He texted me. He says like, "Hey, we let's 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 do something." It's been a month. It's been a while since we've seen each other, and it has, to be honest, because I haven't even spoken to him on the phone until now since like a month ago or a month and a half. I think he was he was just just finishing up with his with his with his job or something. It's, it's it was tax season. It's uh you know it, it it's a byproduct of just getting older and having stuff to do. So um, yeah. It's, you know, one month is going to quickly turn into two, into three. You and I didn't speak for a number of months because, you know, I'm living in a different country. So on today's episode, uh, aside from just catching up with, with Devin and seeing where we're both at, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, some father-son time that I've been spending with my boy. And the band to dig out is really one of my favorite bands uh, called Kid Napkin. Kid Napkin is this band that I played around with when I was in the thickness, they were this other trio that was just, you know, rocking around Boston music scene. And they honestly are, at that time, it was very hard to believe that this band wouldn't break out and become a bigger success. And the music is so good. It's so, uh, it, to me, it really, it really represents the, like the Boston rock music scene. Like that sound to me is kidnapping so they're a really great band and if you haven't heard of them hope you will today uh so going back to it d you've been on the grind have you been working more hours what's what's uh what's yeah the update? yeah it's been nothing but stop you know just working every day eight hours um i've had to work like um like two saturdays in a row so I haven't even, so I haven't been able to get like a day off, you know, on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I worked yesterday. I worked uh, uh, the week before. Um, is it, so, is it is this like the high season? Is this, you know, because it's spring now, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it gets busy around these times because yeah. around these times people, you know, at our, at our, at my work, they call in to make an appointment to schedule to swap their winter tires back to normal tires. So it's that oh, time okay. of season away. So it gets pretty busy when we get those those same amount of phone calls. Make want to make an appointment for that. Um, I'm like the so. worst person. I'm the worst person to speak to about cars, and I have no. Uh, just so the audience knows, I have no context about having to switch your tires uh, to winter or winter to summer. Right, uh, right. My my goal is to never have to own a car again. <laughs> That's my goal in life. Like if I can do that and do everything well, else the way I need to, I've lived a good life. Yeah. When was the last time you owned a car? That's two, actually... 2013, 2012, right before wow. I came to Bolivia. So what what happened is um, I had a car, right? I had like that black little Nissan. It was stick shift, wasn't it? It was a stick shift. Yep. It was a Nissan Altima. And I then I when I moved to Boston and I lived in Boston for a little while, 
I, uh, I kept the car and I would park it around, but in Boston, you know, public parking around um, Mission Hill is mm-hmm. tough. I remember. It's exclusive. You got to have like a sticker and stuff. And so, rem- go ahead. I was going to say, I remember back in the day, you, when you were parking on that, on that street where you live, Mission Hill in yeah. Brookline, I remember like you were having brake issues with the e-brake. And mm-hmm. so when you pull it up, your e-brake was, your, your vehicle was still moved back. So I know you, and I know you had like a rock somewhere in the car that you would put on. It was a hill, right? It's like a yeah. steep little hill. It was hill. a steep hill. Yeah. And so if you had to park on the hill, you had to like, you know, yeah, you had to, you had to, so steep. You had oh to lean God. the tire against the curve. You had to put yeah. a rock behind the, the back left tire, the whole thing. That hill kind of made me just want to glide down my bike. Like, I've seen people going down that hill before. So what happened after that, though, is I got so tired because of where I lived, it was a very small little cul-de-sac spot where uh, it was free parking. And mm-hmm. so basically, if you if you were lucky enough to get a free spot, I was like, I'm not going to drive for the rest of the week. I'm just going to leave my car here just to avoid having to find another parking spot. So I, I got tired of doing that. And I got rid of it. I'm... I think I gave it to mom. She always believed in having an extra car just in case, you know, one broke down or what have you. And it was a good car. Right. Yeah. It was a good car. Yeah, I remember. But um, you ended up just using your, your fixie, right? Or your road bike at the time and taking the uh, green line to, to work? Well, that was the other thing is I was working in Boston. I was living in Boston. And uh, at that time, I was big into urban cycling. So there was just no need for me to own a car. You know, and, like That's literally crazy. there was just no, I did not need it. It's crazy. Me and you were at the time were were crazy into bikes, like. But but the thing is, we're we're into different styles. You know, you were into like more of the road bike scene and like the fixie. You know, that type of that type of um, what's it called? That type of thing. I love. And I was and yeah, and I was into the BMX. You know, and you know, just going to skate parks. And yeah, it was completely different. But you and I though, we 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 like we liked cycling for very different reasons. Like Mm -hmm. you liked it because of the sport of it. Right. Yeah. And I liked it because of the practicality of it. And when I was living in Boston, being able to ride my bike to school, not, was not just a cheap option. It was often faster for me to get to where I needed to go uh, on my bike than having to either drive there or take a, take a, take the T or take a bus or whatever. So to me, it was just a much better option. And I loved it. I, I look back at that time and I think that's probably the best I've ever lived. Mm-hmm. You know, not talking about, not including my fatherhood years. And No, yeah, you know, I know what you mean. Looking back, I'm just like, wow, that was a great time in my life where I got to live exactly hey. where I wanted to live, do exactly yeah. what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. how, how exactly I wanted to do it, you know? Yeah, that's that's how, that that's that's practically me. I mean, that's like everyone nowadays, you know. Um, for me, I'm I'm trying to get back into BMX. I mean, like, I don't want to say I'm getting back into it. I mean, because the thing is, like, I never quit. I just put it off the side because I had school at the time. Um, I go back to it back and forth whenever I had the free time. Mm-hmm. And recently, I mean, not recently, but like last year, I don't know if I told you the story, but my bike was stolen out of my basement from my apartment condo and really in in marlboro or in marlboro is... yeah yeah wow. and, and i i don't know if i told you but i mean i told mom mm-hmm. and never got the chance to recover my bike the way how it happened was this i think my bike got stolen around the time where you were here visiting because the last time i rode my bike 
was maybe a week before you came you came to visit or something it was around that time before i left we went downstairs to look at it and you never mentioned it was it still there then i never really stepped fo- stepped foot in the basement since you know it's been but, a while but we went like we we went downstairs together because i made you i made you show me where the where all the stuff was being stored uh-huh and, uh, uh, but was it there I, I can't remember. So you, so you, so you forgot your bike. <laughs> so your bike could have been gone when we went to when we went downstairs. It could have. Okay. It could have because the thing is that, that whole sucks, re- the whole reason we went to the basement is because you were trying to look for some things that were yours that, that yeah. you know that you're trying to recover. Yeah. And the whole the whole conversation was like we probably me and mom probably sold it and gave yeah. it away without your consent or something. I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so I it sucks. I mean. Yeah, my bike got stolen out of the basement. But, you know, the thing is, like, these doors are secured or, you know, have security. And the doors to the basement, they're locked from the from, from the outside. So if you were to open it from the, you know, to exit out, the other side will be locked. You won't be able to get in. Even yeah, yeah, the- yeah, that makes sense. But, but so, and don't they have, like, security cameras, too, like, on the outside? To see they, only have, they only have one but it's pitching the other direction and i'm sh- and it's only one crazy. camera and i would assume like the guy would have just gone the other way it's only one camera outside there's no ca- there's one camera inside the main lobby but there's no cameras in the basement or like in the stairs so what's it called yeah i mean it was one of those days and that i because yeah so i mean i mean i'm planning on buying a new bike because i do want to get into bmx this summer is that, so, is that the know. first time you've had uh your bike stolen or you've had something yeah. stolen yeah. No, that's the first time I got my bike stolen. Man, it's so frustrating. And it puts you in this position where on one hand you're really pissed off, but yeah, you have no but you have no way to express it. You have no way to, you know, like you can't put on your Batman suit and become a vigilante. You have no way. You call the cops and it's like there's no camera footage. You don't have a picture, a recent what? picture of it. You don't have your receipt or anything. It's so frustrating when the someone only- gets away with it. The only thing is, you know, I'm still keeping my eyes open. This happened like before winter hit. Well, you know, um, you should you should post so. it on Craigslist at the very least and go to the local shop. Well, I mean, now it's a bit late, but what I would have done is you, you post it on Craigslist. This happens a lot where people will post, you know, in the bike section where they sells where they sell bikes. Someone stole this. If anyone sees it, please let me know. You know, and then you go to the local bikes at uh, bike stores and you say someone stole this. If someone's, you know, sometimes they buy used bikes or you, those pawn shops. Those are good places mm-hmm. too. Nowadays, people use that to use that skill on the internet on Facebook. So as well on face as uh, on Facebook, there's this BMX page. You know, New England Northeast yeah. BMX. You know, Perfect. it's just a group page for community for like yep. every kid, adult who BMXs just talks. You know, whatever. You know, because we're all in the same sport. Mm-hmm. I posted it there. Sadly, I mean, no one was able to to say, yeah, that they, you know, they saw it or whatever. So at the same time, I mean, I'm just saying it's, it is what it is, Yeah. but I'm keeping my head up. I'm keeping my eyes open too. you know, like, meaning by just scoping around at Facebook marketplace or Craigslist, if I ever see it on, on there, then I know who, who it is because I know what my bike looks like. It's I've had it for like more than 10 years. So yeah. when I, um, let me tell you this, when I worked at a Target, I'm trying to think if it was the Framingham or the South Bay Target, but I'm pretty sure it was in South Bay near uh, Dorchester, right? Mm-hmm. So when I worked there, I used to cycle as well. I used to ride my bike to work and they would always tell us, you know, you gotta, you gotta use the bike, the, the bike lane. 
you no, know, you have to use the bike stuff at the outside where you lock your bikes. I'm forgetting what they're called. Uh, yeah. And so I will, I always would, and I always would do that. And I would always, um, I would always leave it there with my lock and I would, I would be very conscientious. I would use the cable, wrap it around the rear tire, wrap it a couple of times around the, uh, the frame and then use the U lock, lock it. You know, mm-hmm. the one time I didn't do that because it had been a bunch of times I was like, oh, nothing's going to happen. I work here, you know, no, no sweater. Yeah. The one time I, it, I didn't do that, I just used the U lock and I locked it to the, to the mainframe. Um, they, they got my back tire, back tire with the cassettes. They were able to, you know, it was a quick release. They would unscrew the whole thing. They took it out and they, and they walked away with it. And it was so frustrating. So basically when I went out, I just had a front tire in the frame. And you know what's weird too? It's like they could have, you know, if they're that savvy, they could have taken the seat as well because the sweet seat had, like they could have done a lot more damage. But maybe they were just looking for a quick hit, you know, screw this, take the back tire and run out. When I reported it to the security, they took me back to the security monitors to see if we could see anything. And the camera was just angled just enough that it was more looking at the sidewalk, people walking by. And so you couldn't see anybody touching the bikes. You could see like the beginning of the bike rack. You could Mm -hmm. see part of the handlebars and stuff, but you could not see anybody or any of the other bikes that were there. And I would always put my bike on the last, like on the edge of the, uh, of the bike rack, knowing full well that I wanted the camera to be able to see it as much as possible. I wouldn't put it on like the middle or the, or the inside end. I would put it on the outside end that was close to the sidewalk. You still couldn't see shit. I was so furious that, first of all, I complained to my to my boss because I thought this is this is fucking ridiculous. We have cameras out there that don't that don't do anything for us. And and uh, and then I reported it missing, which resulted in nothing. You know those those tires, you could easily you know strip them out and then just sell each piece if you wanted to or use them yourself. Like uh, it's very tough to to get yeah. back, to get those back. And, and they cost maybe 200 to replace. So it wasn't, a, it's not like a cheap thing to replace. Uh, but then from then on, I had, I, had a, I had a good reason to bring my bike inside. Because I would always try to bring my, since I worked some overnight shifts, I would try to bring my bike inside and I would leave it in the corner in, the, in like the break room. Where it's not hurting anybody, right? And it's, and it's a break room. So there's, there's cameras, it's always lit up, you know? Yeah. And so... From that day on, I just I was able to bring my bike and leave it in the break room, and I, I put a little tag on it that says my name, and my number, in case anybody needs to talk to me about it, and no oh, one ever said anything to me. That's tough. It sucks because it sucks, it also man. you know more than just the financial impact of it, you you lose trust in in the neighborhood around you and the space around you, right? It becomes less of a of your of your of a trusting place that's how i felt when my bike got stolen uh you know from a, from the inside you know yeah. and i was just like oh wow so no one reported it no one said anything because mm-hmm. i believe mo- i believe mom's in a group chat with the other attendants and the yeah. that live in the building yeah she, she reported that she you know she told the group chat you know if they saw anything or missing nothing or nothing so far no one can no one came through saying nothing so i'm not sure whether people didn't actually see anything go on or maybe they're just you know keeping it well i mean you know a hush but who knows even if they did right what are they gonna say right i saw someone um, leaving with a bike how do they yeah know? i mean yeah it's, it's such was, a difficult situation 
I was just disappointed and just like annoyed, but I mean, I wasn't like too too angry, like like someone stole my car, or someone like scratched my paint, you know. Right. I mean, it's something I can replace, so I was like, it's no, it's not a big deal anymore. It is what it is. But I mean, I'm still keeping my eyes open, you know, for this summer. If I do see it at a skate park, if I see it running around, if I see it someone in someone's lawn and I recognize it, I'm gonna recognize it 100. I have, I still have photos, so. I'm just gonna claim it's mine, you know. I didn't report it to the to the police, nothing like that whatsoever. So can I tell you another story? Mm-hmm. I uh, when, when I was um, in Medellin, I started working at this uh, at this company, the company that I'm with now, right? Yeah. And I would I would work uh, afternoons and overnight shifts. I was doing customer chat support, mm-hmm. and uh, and I would I would ride my fixie to work. So. I rode my fixie to work. Uh, it would be this big building that has a bunch of companies in it. It's not just us. It's just a bunch of small companies that are startups. Uh, on the lower level, it's got it's like a, a food court, lots of you know food, little restaurants, and you know little bars and stuff. And so it was heavily secured. It was, there was a lot of security guards walking around the place, uh, cameras everywhere. It's really secure. Mm-hmm. And so they had this big bike rack, and I would always again in the bike rack. I would always put it. Uh, at, at a point in the bike rack at the very end where A, everyone could see it. It was, it was always like one of the first three bikes on the bike rack uh, and that I knew I could see it from the window if I wanted wow. to just walk over to a window and see, is my bike there? Good, yeah. good right? I, I, like I was always very conscientious about that stuff. And when I, um, when, like probably the first, within the first month of me working there, I left it once in the bike rack I came out, I had a flat tire. I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I must have, I must have hit something. Okay, it's my fault. So I would take it home and I would fix the flat and what have you. Or I would fix it there if I had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, maybe it started happening two or three more times. And now it wasn't just, at first it was like you hit a little, a little pebble or something. You would find a little scratch in the rubber that was, mm-hmm. they had slowly leaking air. So I knew it was an accident. But then one day I, um, I didn't have a tube, so I just took it home. And when I got home, I took the tire apart and there was a staple, like a, yeah, like a staple from a stapler. And it was a staple that was embedded into the rubber, which means it's, it's not something that happened today because staples are so embedded that they start a slow leak. So it could have happened yesterday. And then I could have just been riding my bike the whole day with that staple until eventually it it just reduced pressure. And I took it out and I was like, fuck, who would have done this? And I started, you know, going back, like, where else did I leave my bike? Where else did I go? I went to the supermarket. I went to here, whatever. Went back to the, went back to work the next day. Uh, came out that afternoon. Again, flat, like uh, another staple. So that right then and there, I showed the security guard. They reported it. I reported it to my supervisor. They reported it. There was this whole hoopla. And no one could find anything about anybody walking around the bikes with like a staple gun or something. Right. 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 Yeah. But what really bothers me and it ended up. So I did the same thing. I, it was a folding bike. You remember that fixie folding bike that I have? Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. So basically, I just said, well, I'm not leaving it here anymore. And I and my I had my manager who was backing me up because I, I, I often worked overnights. So it was very difficult. You know, I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to fold it up, take it on the elevator, take it and put it next to my desk. No one's here anyway. So no one should care. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So. Anyway, what really bothered me about that was that someone had, someone had the, um, someone had to think about it, right? They, they're not just going to puncture it 
they're not going to try to steal it. They're not going to try to vandalize it in an obvious way. There are days, there are moments during the day where that, that whole plaza is very busy. And there are moments during the day where the security guards aren't really paying attention. Someone yep. had to think about how they were going to execute on this with a little staple gun. And maybe it wasn't just my bike, or maybe it was just my bike, but they were putting staples into those tires, knowing that it wouldn't be a problem right away, that it would be a problem eventually when I would have no way to really backtrack the situation. It's just, sometimes it's not even about the money. Sometimes you think people steal mm -hmm. something because they're going to pawn it or they want to sell it. Sometimes they just want to fuck with you. And that's really, that's the toughest part to swallow. Yeah, 100%. And you know, it wasn't. It is like a nice bike. It's a unique bike that both. So, you know, I've had I had Colombians tell me, "Be be careful because people here they they just want they they're just jealous, right? They just mm -hmm. have envy in them when they see someone who with nice things. Maybe they perceive as an immigrant who shouldn't have nice things, have nice things, that kind of thing. Right. So yeah, well that sucks, man. Yeah. And you know that's whatever. But anyway, we started talking about this because you said you were trying to get back into BMX a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, um, for sure. And so are you going to buy a bike now or did you buy a bike? What's the, uh, what's the status? I didn't, I didn't buy a bike yet. Just waiting until it gets a lot more warmer. Okay. Because I just don't want to buy it now. And then, you know, oh, okay, I'm not going to go ride it right away. I was going to say, because, you know, everything's an evolution. And so maybe yeah. maybe BMX isn't, but have you thought about like getting into uh, mountain biking or road biking? yeah i mean like um like i said i mean i'm just gonna i'll buy it once you know once it gets a lot more warmer because me and my friends were all talking about it you know just getting back into bmx yeah because that's where we're because that's where our roots are you know that's where we started when we were in school and so yeah we're just it's just like you know getting a band just like getting your band back together so we're just getting like mm -hmm. all the uh, old friends back together riding bikes just gonna catch up so we're it's all good. just waiting until it gets nice out. That's it. <laughs> we all hate the cold weather. You're going through a cold snap, you said, right? It's like in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. I even I mentioned like like, hey, let's go to an indoor skate park. Like, you know, mm -hmm. let's just pay a session of twenty dollars. The fact is, where I'm at, I mean, there's not that many indoor skate parks anymore. Yeah. There are only one that's still standing is is this place called Skater's Edge. It's in Taunton. It's, it's still going. Yeah. It's still going. The I one know. I'm not sure if you ever took me to this one. It was it used to be called Rad Skate Park. I'm sure you might have heard of it then. Um, no, I took you to both. I remember those both. Took me, okay. Yeah. Rad Skate Park in Menden has mm -hmm. closed a uh, few years back, and. There was also this big one, which I never got a chance to go. It was also an indoor skate park. It was in New Hampshire called Rye Airfield. And what, if, what if you what if you invested in a business like that and you said you 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 uh, it would be your workshop and it would be a skate park? That would be good too. Massive, I mean, you know, it's a big be massive. Space. It would have to be a big space for sure, and yeah. to in in order to get that equal space, you know, that I need and for that business. I mean, I did have a vision for that too. I mean, like I'm up for that. Um, I just got to figure out where I want to start to begin with. And I think a small garage, you know, mm -hmm. would be helpful. That's true. And then you, in, in the future, yeah, maybe in the future, who knows, maybe I woke up with that kind of idea because that kind of idea still flows around me. Like mm -hmm. I was thinking of that way before, you know, doing like a small shop with a side business, um, a skate park. Obviously, there's, I need to have licenses and pass inspection and stuff. Have and you, it's um... a big process, but yeah. Have you looked at or have you been looking at uh, places to, to rent? Or Yeah, I'm still looking. I found the one I, I, I spoke to you about and the one you recommended me, your friend, about the same location. So yep. the real estate agent 
that's that has information of this space in Ashland where I'm at, where I was looking at. I looked at it in person. Um, I, so I got a chance to see the space, the one, you know, in Ashland, the one I really want. It's a good, decent space. It's, it's um, 2,500 square feet. And, and so I'm just, I told him like, hey, I have the money. I'm ready to sign a lease whatsoever. Right. And he says, okay, um, I just got to let the landlord know, blah, blah, blah. Because the thing is, he had a few people look at that same day, mm-hmm. but they just, but they told, but they, but they told the guy, the real estate agent, um, saying that they're going to get back to him later. And I told him, like, I'm ready to sign right now because I have the money. I have everything ready to go. And I said, okay, I'll get back to you then. And so far it's just been kind of like weird. So ever since I got a chance yeah. to look at the, the place, the guy has been really, really like slowly, like responding to me whether if I got approved to get it or not, because he has to follow up with the, with the uh, landlord. Yeah. And he said that the landlord received multiple offers. So he hasn't really gotten a decision from them, whether who's going to get it. Yeah. And he told me that when he hears from them, whether if I get it or not, he's going to let me know. And that's, I told him, uh, yeah. that's normal. So, it's, so, it is, it is what it I'm, is. so, I mean, yeah, it's been a while now. It's been a month and a half since I took a look at it and it's still available on the website. No one has claimed it, nothing whatsoever. So yeah. he said he's supposed to get back to me Wednesday. So with the, with, with, uh, you know, with decision, whether if I get it or not. So I'm, I'm still crossing my fingers. I'm still having my, I'm still looking out for locations too. So it's, I'm not, I'm not the end of the, uh, it's not the end of the road for me. So. Right on, right on. It's going to take some time. Oftentimes the, the landlords, they're, they're dealing with other offers and maybe, maybe someone made a better offer than you. So yeah, yeah we'll, we'll just see how that cookie crumbles. Either way, you'll find something, you'll find something good eventually. No, for sure. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting couple of weeks too, ever since uh, last month. Uh, basically me and Benny, my son, we've just been together every single day because his mom got this opportunity to to go to Europe. So she's in no Spain way. right now. Yeah. Oh, really? She's in Spain. Uh, she's been in Spain. This is the second week. And she'll be back in, in two weeks. So it's been a bit of an experiment because... Damn, she's far away. Well, she's far. She's very far away. But we, we knew that Benny would be okay. Being, mm-hmm. you know, because I took him to Boston um, last year. Yeah. So we knew he'd be okay, but what's been the experiment is us being alone together and me working, you know, so I, I, I work five days a week. Yeah. I, I take an hour for break and then I, I, I go leave him at school Then I pick him up after work and then we, we come home. So it's been a different routine mm-hmm. because we've, we've only been, we've been together the entire time, uh, but it's been really fun. It's the first, uh, it's my first experience being solo with him even when i took him to boston i knew i had your support i had mom's support and we would, we would be okay but right, yeah here at least we're in our own house but we're, we're together all day and he behaves he's he's uh he's, he's really fun to hang out with and it made me think a lot of it made me think of when you and i would hang out when you were just a kid so we're, we're 10 years apart which means Around 15, you were five. Around yeah. 17, you were seven. You know, Benny's five now. So in that in that area of between five and seven, when, when you were still 
very much a kid. You weren't, you weren't, uh, you know, you weren't going out with your friends. We sort of got to hang out a lot. We were together a lot. That's I remember good. we, you know, that we would, I would drive you places and we would just hang out. So it, mm-hmm. it really has been a bit of a throwback for me, just hanging out with a little person again uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for the first time in a while. Hell yeah. That's pretty good. Is he still like watching like the Woody the Woodpecker? He is, man. He's still he's, watching. He's that? still watching it. I ended up downloading it on on a USB stick so I could just have oh it on demand. You probably, <laughs> you probably you probably you you can you can probably um what's it called? You probably know the whole script by now. <laughs> yeah, man. You know what's weird is there's just a show him Shrek. <laughs> what's weird is there's a scene cut out because I remember when we were watching it in in on Netflix. There's an extra scene that mm-hmm. for whatever reason when I downloaded it, I downloaded a version without that scene. And so I was, I was reading online about the difference, the different versions of Woody Woodpecker. This is what my life has come to, like looking, just looking up behind the scenes facts, yeah, the movies that nobody cares about. And it's a scene where, it's a scene where Woody Woodpecker causes a minor explosion in the RV and almost kills the girl, and the girl comes out with like, oh all yeah, yeah. Yep. So in the version I downloaded, that scene cut remember. out. Oh, we saw it so many times. You know. oh, wow. uh, that scene's cut out, and it's cut out because it's a little too violent. <laughs> they cut it out. That's it. Like wow. the version that I had was a version with that scene cut out because it was a little too violent for a kids' movie where the protagonist causes mm-hmm. a, uh, an explosion, like, like a gas explosion in an RV. I wonder which scene they showed uh, in theaters, unless it didn't make it to theaters. It was in theaters. Yeah, it was definitely in theaters. Oh, they, mm-hmm. they probably showed the same version that's on Netflix. But anyway, yeah. So, so we're spending a lot of time together. He's still watching Woody Woodpecker. There's, there's always like this fear when you're a father that if you're alone with your kids, you won't be able to, either they'll, they'll suffer because they miss their mother, or they will have ten, tantrums, or they'll get sick easily, or you know, like challenges that you don't, you don't really know how to handle. Uh, so it's been really, really relieving to, to know that me and my son, we have this really nice relationship where, we're just bouncing off of each other. Let's, let's talk about the band that they got today. And I'm pretty sure I've, I've shared this band with you before because they're just the new not... Kids on the Block. What'd you say? The new Kids on the Block? <laughs> nope. Kid Napkin. Kid Napkin. Yeah. Does that sound familiar to you? I don't... I, I want to say yeah. Like, I feel like I've, I saw, the, I saw the, the title before somewhere, but I don't know... They're such a, they were such a good band and they were that band where you would go see them at a club and they would never play a bad show mm-hmm. and they have it's a very uh aggressive uh jazzy progressive hard rock metal right it's all those things rolled into one and i think it's the first time i really saw that combination work with itself where you could hear you know, it's, it's 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 really loud. It's really aggressive. It's metal. It's hard rock. It's everything you want. But right. then you could also hear just how sophisticated the music was. Sort of like, I guess for the lack of a better term, it was very. There was a lot of jazz. It was a lot of like uh, new age jazz into it and progressive. Right. It was very just interesting to listen to. And so they never. Uh, they they well. Let me let me take a step step back here. They were a band that that uh, I was familiar with because I was in the thickness and we would often play bills with them. We would, we would share the stage. They are a three piece born out of Berkeley College of Music. I think they had two releases that you can find on Spotify. I'll add their songs to 
the Bands to Dig Out playlist on Spotify. But for now, let's just go ahead and listen to one of their one of their tunes. Let's, let's do it. God's faith goes down to be raised. You're not enough for saving. Again, every woe is away. It's trade wake for raising. Grab your face, kneel down, have your way. Only end up saving. You brought forth what you thought was for sale. You make look around I want stop for praising Your light flickering in and then out Was it worth the waiting? Oh, magic quest that this photo takes down Not enough for saving You brought forth what you thought was for sale I want for a crown So
All right, that was uh, Introduction by Kid Napkin. Sound pretty dope. I love it. So that is, and I wanted to play that song specifically because that's the first song. It's it's the first song on the record, Touring the Riot Scene, and it has, it carries such a punch with it, the way it starts, the way it swells, and then the way it ends. This band is so fucking good. It's, uh, I, like, I was thinking that, I was looking at the list of all the, uh, the, the bands that we featured on this show. And I always think all of these bands deserved more attention. They deserved a better audience. But this one, like the first time I saw them, it was such a semi-religious experience. This band really deserved to be, to be bigger. And there are bands, music that I listen to now uh, that I'll you know, come across on YouTube or on TV, and it'll be nowhere as good as the stuff that this band produced. So Kidnapkin is a fucking awesome band. To me, it's also from at least my time when I was in bands in Boston, it's also that quintessential Boston rock sound. And a lot of people might associate Boston with, uh, you know, like punk, like uh, the Dropkick Murphys, Mm -hmm. which is valid. You know, that's definitely there. Uh, But there was also sort of like a subset of youth coming out of the Berkeley College music scene. And these guys were making music that was really great. There's, we'll definitely talk about a couple of bands on the show. But Kidnapkin, to me, was at the head of that group of bands that um, really just created good, good music. Super Volcano was the other one who, who, we, uh, who we spoke about, I think, around Christmas. And mm-hmm. yeah, man, fuck, such good music. Are they still, are they still a band together? Or are they being... No, no, Kidnapping was a, yeah, Kidnapping was a three-piece, and the guitar player who also sings, he he did the Queen record, which uh, we we also listened to on one of our episodes, but he ended up going on to, so he moved to LA, and he wanted wanted to try his hat in in becoming a recording artist, just recording Mm -hmm. guitar player. Yeah. He ended up being Avril Lavigne's guitar player for touring. Nice. And I think he's still listed as that, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how active Avril Lavigne is. And then the drummer, if I'm not mistaken, uh, ended up becoming or working at a, a, like a kid's music school. And, uh, and I think he's teaching music to kids and stuff like that. Uh, and then the bassist, you know, the, the bassist on the record ended up moving to New York again mm-hmm. to, to become a recording artist. Uh, I'm not really sure how she's doing. And, and so then they had another bassist who I believe is still in Boston. I think he teaches bass. I think he's, um, so they're not together is the short answer. They're not together, mm-hmm. but uh, it's tragic because uh, they, did a, they did a lot of playing. They uh, toured a bit. Mm-hmm. So they should have broke out. They should have uh, had something going. Unfortunately, it didn't quite swing that way. And that's a common story for a lot of local bands. Other than that, though, I think uh, I think we're good to listen. Let me see what, what other tune we could we could put up front because they had another record called Hush Now in two thousand eight. Was uh, that the last one? I want to say so, but I could have sworn there was a third one that maybe they didn't put on Spotify. But right. I remember there were like a, a chunk of songs in the last couple of shows that I went to see them. Mm-hmm. That I went to see uh, that they were playing new songs, and even to this day, man, you know what's weird is. Even to this day, there's a song that is that it's not on any of these records that they have on Spotify that I specifically remember thinking that's a good fucking tune when they played it live. And um, 
I don't know what it's called. I couldn't, like, I, I just have a fragment of it in my memory, but I couldn't sing the chorus for you. I just remember thinking, and that's what's weird about uh, your experiences as you, as you get older is sometimes what you're actually experiencing isn't nearly as important as how it makes you feel while you're experiencing it. So I remember thinking and feeling that's a great fucking tune, but I can't remember the tune at all. And so kidnapping to me has a very, very uh, warm place in my heart because of, of what they represented during that time. That's good. Yeah. This is, uh, this is the show. I think I'm going to do, there's a tune on their Hush Now record from 2018 called, sorry, 2008, uh, called Show Me All the Blueprints. The, was there anything else you wanted to say before we close out? No, I think we're good. I think we caught up enough. <laughs> Yeah, man. And, uh, and let's, let's look to the next one. Uh, if you're listening, thanks a lot for listening. I will be adding Kidnapping to the Bands to Dig Out Volume 1 playlist on Spotify. So if you're into it, uh, you'll find it in the description. And this is going to be Show Me All the Blueprints by Kidnapkin. Thanks for listening. This is Mo. Take it easy. Take it easy, guys. This is Devin. Have a good day.
Thank you.